sleep evades me, there's no light. Darkness wraps the earth with slumber. Only weary tickings number the slow hours of the night. Pushkin. February 25th, 1920, Antwerp, Belgium. Dear Tova, saying goodbye to mom and papa hurt in my chest the way it hurt when Saul held me underwater too long. The night before, mama had slipped off her gold locket. I'd never seen mama without her locket. It came from papa, his wedding gift to her. Mama hung the gold chain around my neck and I wrapped my hand around it and felt mama's warmth in the etched metal. Papa gave me his talus, his precious prayer shawl. He said a prayer over it first, kissed the fringe, then handed it to me. Why should she have Papa's talus? Saul muttered. She's only a girl. Hush, Saul, Nathan said. Don't make things worse. The HIAS lady in Warsaw put me on my train the same day Mama, Papa, Nathan, and Saul left. I waved goodbye to them until my arm ached, but too soon crowds pushed between us and they were gone. My train took me through Germany and into Belgium, so now I am in Antwerp. It has taken me a little while to get settled. The first room the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society found for me was dark and stuffy, like the inside of your wardrobe, Tova. Now I'm in a very nice room. The couple who owns this house are even older than Mom and Papa. They tell me to call them Gaston and Marie. Can you imagine, Tova? They have very nice things. A quilt of blue squares covers my bed, and a little red desk sits under the window. I sit at the desk for hours, fitting perfectly because I am so short. And I look out the window at the park below or read our pushkin. I have a pitcher and bowl decorated with tiny blue flowers and a chest to keep my clothes in. There's a painting on the wall over my bed. It shows a countryside covered with wildflowers. When I look at it, I think this is what it is like in America. I have a braided rug to warm my feet. The woman Marie made it herself. She's made many of the things here. This is the nicest place I have ever lived. My room is almost as fine as the rooms in your house, Tova. But it is not home. It can never be home without mom and papa. I miss them so much. Papa wrote that they have settled in New York City. His letters tell about their trip across the ocean and their apartment. They have water right outside their door and a real indoor toilet just down the hall. It's odd to think of mom and papa living in such luxury. My 13th birthday came last week. I did not tell Marie and Gaston. I had hoped to celebrate this birthday in America. I remember my ninth birthday when you and Hannah gave me the doll. What a beautiful doll she was with a china head. Every morning I would smear her face with herring, pretending she was eating breakfast too. Mama and Saul took that doll. I remember how they took her along with the dress Aunt Rachel had made for me. I could never tell you this. Papa forbade us to speak to anyone about such matters. But Mom and Saul took my doll and my dress and traded them at the market for potatoes. I swore I would not eat those potatoes. But I got hungry and I ate. In America, no one will take my gifts from me. So I'm 13 now. For Nathan and Saul's 13th birthdays, Mom and Papa did a mitzvah. 
I'm just a girl. Still, girl or not, I think God would have wanted me to do a mitzvah too. Early on the morning of my birthday, I crept down the stairs and took two broken straws from the kitchen broom. Back in my room, I wove the straws into a star of David, a fragile golden star of David. It took patience and time to twine the straws so they would hold together. When I finished, I set my star on the red desk beside Mama's locket, and the sunlight fell on them both. I stood before the window wrapped in Papa's talus and recited all the Hebrew prayers I held in my memory. Maybe you would think me foolish, Tova, but I did a mitzvah. I celebrated my becoming a woman just like the boys do when they become men. Later, I placed my Star of David between the pages of our pushkin so I could keep it forever to remember this day. Before I went to sleep that night, I read over my letters to you. I ran out of blank pages in the book a long time ago. Now I write in the margins around the poetry. Someday I will get these letters to you, Tova. I promise. When I reach America, Papa will show me how to send this properly, and you will have your pushkin back again. In America, I can buy my own pushkin and any other book I wish to read. My hair is gone, all gone. I'm as bald as the rabbi of Birdichev. I cover my baldness with a kerchief, but still, I look very ugly. I don't ever leave my room. It's winter. Back in our village, I was always the first one out to skate on the pond. In Antwerp, I do not go outside except for my treatments. The treatments are not so bad as I had feared. I walk to the convent once a day. The nun in charge of my case is Sister Katrina. She washes my scalp with a green soap that makes my eyes water. Then she puts me under a violet light. The light warms my head. You don't mind the treatments, do you, Rivka? Sister Katrina asks. I smile and shake my head. I do not mind. In Belgium, where I am neither held nor loved, it feels good when Sister Katrina touches me, even if she does so only to treat my ringworm. When my scalp is perfectly dry, Sister Katrina sprinkles it with powder. She gave me two new kerchiefs, pretty ones. She boils and dries them each time before I can wear them. Cleanliness is important in curing your disease, Sister Katrina says. She also makes me scrub my nails. You can make the disease worse by scratching the sores with your fingers, she says. And I tell her, my nails are clean, see? She says, you can't see the germs that make the ringworm, Rivka. Here, scrub your nails. So I do. I don't scratch my head that much anyway, just sometimes I can't help it. Sister Katrina is teaching me Flemish. She taught me a prayer to say in my head when I need to scratch. I think saying the prayer is supposed to keep my mind off the itching. I'm not sure it's right, though, for a Jew to say a Catholic prayer, so I say a Hebrew prayer instead. The sister is nice. She has dimples even deeper than Nathan's, so deep I can see them even when she's not smiling. Papa sends me money in his letters. He writes that I must pay Sister Katrina for the care she gives me. I count out the money they send. I think Mom and Papa must be getting rich in America working in that clothing factory. I think soon they will be as rich as Uncle Avram. Then I worry that maybe they're going without food to send this money to me. Sister Katrina accepts nothing. Keep it, she says. You need it more. She talks with me during my treatment. At first, we spoke only in Polish, but I'm picking up Flemish quickly. After my treatments, she makes tea. Sister Katrina tells me I'm clever because I learn Flemish so easily. I thought you'd like that, Toba, that someone thinks I'm clever. Really, it's not so clever, I tell her. It's nothing special. I just learn these things. 
You will learn even faster if you get out of your room, Sister Katrina says. Antwerp is a lovely city. Go out, enjoy yourself. I like my room, I say. It too is lovely. I'm happy to stay there. I can't explain to her how I fear this city filled with strangers. You do not get enough exercise, Sister Katrina says. You go from your room to the convent and back again. Explore more. Go on. It won't hurt you. What you need, Rivka, is some fresh Belgian air. It's not exercise and fresh air I need. It's Mama and Papa. How can I enjoy myself without Mama, without my family? I do not need exercise. All I need is to get better and go to America. Walking to and from the convent, I pass many beautiful sights. There are gardens everywhere, and even in the winter, I can see how fine they are. I pass a market filled with fruits and vegetables and buckets of flowers of every color and smells that make my stomach always eager to eat. Right now, I'm sitting at the little desk in my room, looking out over the park. There are children who come every day, and I'm beginning to recognize them. There's one girl built so much like Hannah, slender with dark eyes and dark hair. Once or twice, I've almost got out only to be near her. I would like to play with her, to play with all of them. But what if it's like Russia and they hate me because I'm a Jew? What if it's like Poland and they hate me because I'm not a Pole? What if they hate me because I have no hair? I wish I could be back with you, Tova, and with Hannah. Remember how Hannah would dress me up and coil my hair around her fingers? When I grew sleepy, she would set me on the warm shelf of the tiled stove and cover me in furs and sing to me. And you, you would talk, always talk. Listen to this, Rivka, you would say, and you would read me something from one of Uncle Abram's big books. Or you would open the pushkin and sometimes your voice would go deep and husky. I could not understand why, but tears would stand in both our eyes. Tova, I love the words that sprang from your lips. It is you, my cousin, who made me want to learn. Hannah is like a fairy princess, so delicate and beautiful and sweet. You, Tova, are like an old rabbi, clever and funny and brave. Is Hannah still taking piano lessons? Marie plays piano. She's playing right now. Don't tell this to Hannah. I used to hate listening to her lessons. The teacher would scream and tears would roll down Hannah's cheeks. She never got the notes right. It is you who can really play Tova and never a lesson of your own. It amazed me how you could watch Hannah's lessons and then sit down after and play the music yourself. I never understood why Uncle Avram didn't give you the lessons. When I asked Mama, she said, Uncle Avram won't give Tova piano lessons because of her back. Well, I told Mama, just because Toba's back isn't straight doesn't mean she can't play the piano. When she was a baby and fell from the table, did she hurt anything else? Did she hurt her hand so she couldn't play? No. So why can't Toba have piano lessons? Mama said. You couldn't understand, Rivka. I can, I insisted. Explain to me, Mama said. Uncle Avram gives Hannah piano lessons so she can catch a good husband. What about Tova? I asked, doesn't Uncle Avram want her to catch a good husband too? Mama says, some girls aren't meant to marry, Rivka. But Tova is smart and funny, I cried, and so clever. I thought everyone saw you as I did. Now that I'm bald, I wonder. Maybe Mama would think I am one of those girls too, one of those girls not meant to marry. Sister Katrina says my hair will grow back. What if it doesn't? I think you would still love me just as I love you. Mubba Ruth, my dear little grandmother, she would love me even with a bald head. 
but you are both very far away. My own mama watched with such sorrow my hair falling out and she left before it was done. What would she think if she saw me now? I've started praying for my hair to grow back. Sometimes I even say Sister Katrina's prayer, even if it is for Catholics. I hope that doesn't make things worse for me. Shalom, dear Tova, Rivka.